0: Ooh, it's me, it's Mr. Sensational Gino Vega coming to you with yet another very special episode of the Mr. Sensational Gino Vega podcast, coming to you by way of the IC Robots Radio Network, and yes, folks, this is episode 75 of the podcast a podcast where I, your host, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, I plumb the depths of my soul, the recesses of my psyche, to pluck out little bits of content that I can share with you here for roughly, oh, I'd like to say 30 minutes, but it always ends up spilling into more like 35, 38, sometimes, God forbid, even 40 minutes of of content here once a week or so I try on the aforementioned IC Robots Radio Network. And so we're, we're uh, going at it again this week. Um, any number of struggles are, are attempting to impede this recording, as is always the case. What, what's going on this week? This week, um, someone left a big kind of half couch right in front of the computer uh, today, and I had to just move it by myself, which I could do, but it was kind of unwieldy. Um, so that was... Imp- Im- impediment number one i expect to just be able to slide here in front of the old computer and begin recording but someone had moved and left this half a couch right in front of this flimsy desk that the computer's on in the i guess it's the living room it's the only room really here at the uh, um sensational manor 2.5 where we live in napa california um I think they try to call this, actually, this, this room is kind of the netherworld. So this, this house, we live in a townhouse. It's a three-story townhouse, but the first floor is just a kind of landing entry foyer, as they call it. A very small entryway and a big garage that's full of crap that we need to someday cull through and actually make a usable part of the house. Then you go upstairs, and you're on the living level, which is, that's, that's it as far as living space goes. It's this one level that's a big room um, that includes a kitchen. Then you go upstairs and there are uh, three bedrooms and a bathroom. Oh, there's a little bathroom um, on the living floor that's its own separate room. So that's the only separate space on the living floor is the little bathroom. Then upstairs, yeah, there's the three bedrooms, a bathroom. And there's a bathroom in the master uh, bedroom. I hope I said that all correctly. Um, but this main living space, you know, this is the, the, the trend here in, in 2022. It's like a big kind of lofty open area what do they call that an open floor plan all the rage in this in this uh era i'm sure at some point we'll go back to everyone wanting everything partitioned off compartmentalized off and places like this will seem very dated and out of touch but for right now this is you know y- you can picture it you've seen you know what a you've seen hd tv right um but it's funny because when you buy the place, they try to allege that the different parts of this one main floor, that just one room, are different rooms. So, like, for instance, they claim the little corner where you can put a dining room table is the dining area. The kitchen, obviously, is kind of its own separate entity. And then the rest of it is called the Great Room, much like a Target Great Land, as you may remember from a few weeks ago. But yeah, so I'm coming to you um, on the border of the great room and the dining area, which is where we have a computer shoved. So um, anyway, had to move that uh, half a couch. And then, folks, I have to um, have to sadly just fess up here, more to myself than to the public. For the first time in three years, I believe, um, let's see, winter of 19 to the winter of 20, Winter of 20 to the winter of 21, winter of 21 to the winter of 22, and then however many months it's been since the winter. So, a little over three years. For the first time, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega, as you may be able to detect from my voice on this episode, is in fact ill, is in fact sick, does in fact have some sort of respiratory illness. I don't believe it's COVID-19. The two kids had exactly what I had before I did, and they both took COVID tests, and they um, were negative. I have not yet taken a test because I don't want to waste, you know, we have kind of a small supply, dwindling supply remaining. I'm sure they're probably easy to get at this point anyway, but I have very, very minor um, cold symptoms. And they're the same symptoms that the other two that have have tested negative multiple times. And see, my my children are still very much um, very neurotic about COVID. So they 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 took multiple tests. And this is why I talk about not wanting to get into wasting tests for when someone really is sick and really needs one, or we're trying to go somewhere around a lot of people and want to take one. I really feel that I have the same cold as them. So, um, but yeah, they are still the my my. If you have like the right mutants on one side um, advocating that COVID doesn't exist and, you know, masks are a plot and the biggest inconvenience man has ever experienced and all that. You have that on one side. My kids are on the other side of mutation where they just, you know, still think even though there's no evidence that they're going to get COVID in any appreciable way, it could happen at any minute. And uh, wearing a mask at all times 24-7 is a a sign of... um, Virtue, and you will actually be bullied by your peers if you don't wear one. They're over on that side. I'm, as always, somewhere in between the uh, unappreciated middle. Uh, But anyway, yeah, no, it's, it's not COVID. I just, I finally, 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 the Gino Vega has come back to having an ordinary head cold. Um. But anyway, it's one of these colds where it's not a big deal once I'm up and moving. But like at night I've kind of had fitful sleep because you, you know, you've got a sore throat, so you're having dreams about having a sore throat. And then I wake up and I have a sore, dry throat, and then drink some water or whatever and it goes away for the most part. But I didn't know I didn't know what it would be like to try talking at length today, but it seems fine so far. I get a little rasp in the in the voice, but whatever, I'm sure. I'm sure you all can deal. Um when it does come to trials and tribulations of recording the show, though, I did want to um point out a uh, recent victory here. Take a victory lap. I, some of you, some of the tens of ones who listen to the show may remember in the past I have spoken of encountering a problem with my microphone where there's this heavy static enveloping um, anything I record. And it's not static coming from like background noise or something. It's like some hardware or software problem. And I've long thought it had to do with like maybe a faulty chord. I changed chords. It would still come back every now and again. Other times I thought maybe um, the old blue snowball microphone, which is actually orange, um, was giving up the ghost. I didn't need to get a new one. I thought maybe there was something wrong with the computer. Whatever. Anyway, I finally, I think I vanquished it. Um, And it it was a big problem because it's not something I can necessarily notice when I'm recording. And I can stop to check for it, but... I can't stop every 10 seconds to make sure there, there is no static. And there were a couple times where I recorded sizable chunks of an episode only to find that it was literally unusable. Cause I'm not, this isn't a minor thing. It's like, you can't hear what I'm saying. It's just like, <laughs> um, but uh, as it turns out, when I boot up the software that I use to record this program, It always automatically brings up the raw um, file from last week's episode. And excuse me. The first thing I do is uh, save as and save it as like, for instance, last week was episode 74. I save it as MSGV75. Then I delete everything, all the stuff specific to um, last week. Then I start over with the rest of the template in place. But when I would do this, I would oftentimes get this error message saying your input recording device is no longer available, even though it would say on the screen that my input device was the blue snowball microphone that is actually orange, um, which was plugged in and powered on and everything, um, making it seem as like no, of course it's available because it appears to be working. But I think what would happen is it, the software was remembering some setting from it from the previous session and. The, that setting and it seemingly not being available with the, the device actually being plugged into the computer somehow, to use very technical terms, you know, the, things weren't speaking well together, resulting in that horrible static. Because now every time, instead of just ignoring that error message when I reselect select the blue snowball microphone, which is actually orange... As my audio input device, the static has never happened since. So I'm going to assume that's what it was. I'm going to assume it was vanquished. I'm going to assume one obstacle to recording the show, because there have been a couple of weeks where I literally had to tap out. I had to throw in the towel um, due to the static issue. Um, I'm going to hope that that impediment is no longer with us. I think I might we, we might have moved past that era of the show. So R.I.P static t r o y static you are gone you are done we're going to leave you in the rearview uh what else has been going on lately um i had a very uh topical episode last week it was la- yeah last week i talked about my hawaii trip so this week we're back to plumbing the depths skimming the scum off the surface to see what i can possibly talk about for the remainder of this episode um Some of you may recall some weeks back the episode I did on the Ukrainian in-laws, my brother's Ukrainian in-laws, his wife's parents who live in Vinitsa, a city in Ukraine. Um, I think at the time of recording that episode, their fate was unclear. They had left the country, but they were kind of wandering around Europe. And in the weeks since they have ended up in Berkeley, California where uh, they live in an apartment that they are renting there. Um, Actually, my brother and his wife are renting it for them. And they are taking care of my brother and his wife's um, one-year-old, almost two-year-old son. My nephew. Nephew Sensational, or would that be Sensational Nephew? No, Nephew, wait. If I'm Mr. Sensational, Ms. Sensational, Ms. Sensational 1, Ms. Sensational 2... Nephew Sensational, okay. Um, Nephew Sensational, they're taking care of him. Uh, Anyway, so they're in the mix, and it just so happens last weekend was... um Ukrainian Easter, Orthodox Easter. We, we've spoken about this before. I, I think I spoke about, oh, I think when I told the did the episode revolving entirely around the Ukrainian in-laws, I talked about how the first time we really hung out with them, it was for Ukrainian Christmas. And the reason these holidays are Ukrainian X, Ukrainian Y, it's because, and it's not just Ukrainian, but uh, a lot of those Slavic countries, uh, you know, uh, our calendar is based on... Um, the Catholic Church, as far yeah, and in, in the holidays that are, that have their lineage back to being, you know, Christian quote unquote holidays, the, the the dates that we celebrate them on come by way of that Catholic calendar. But in addition to the Catholic Church, there is the Eastern Orthodox Church. Um, the two churches split at one point in time. Allegedly, they they date back to the original apostles. And then you know. Uh, somehow in this in this religion of understanding and peace, there was a lot of chest-thumping, and they broke off into two big, huge, institutional empires unto themselves. And so we are very familiar uh, with the Catholic Church. I mean, even if we're not Catholic, we all know what that is here, living in the Western world. But then the other branch of the church is that Orthodox Church, and they are on a different calendar, which uh, my uh, brother's Ukrainian uh, in-laws follow. Um, not that they are religious, I don't think. I don't believe they are. Um, uh, but you know what I mean? It's just like you, you celebrate these holidays based on tradition more than anything else for most people. And, um, anyway, so where for secular people that celebrate, um, holidays that are re- originally came from a religious tradition for us here in the West, Christmas is kind of, I would say King, um, which, which is funny cause it's not even really that big of a, uh, it's kind of a footnote in the tradition of, um christian holidays as far as you know actual holy days religious days it's not one of the 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 big canonical ones easter is and so um in uh the orthodox uh, tradition same deal but the easter is like even if you're not religious easter is like the big deal holiday bigger deal than christmas i mean they do christmas too but you know it's a it's a big deal um So uh, this last Sunday was their Easter. They're here in town. We got invited to uh, partake in Ukrainian Easter with the Ukrainian in-laws. So I got to see them for the first time in years. Um, And it was a good time. Um, It was a bit of a hazy time because we got there at around noon. And immediately I began drinking um, vodka shots that were being put in front of me by my brother's father-in-law, Leonid, who we have talked about on – that previous episode, you may remember, he's the guy, that the, the wild and crazy guy that caused a scene in the Soviet years by taking a knee to prop his guitar up um, while playing in a in a 60s rock cover band. He's the guy that once I watched be drug out of uh, my parents' home by his ear because it was long past time to go, and he was performing a rendition, air guitar and singing rendition for me of that Creedence Clearwater revival song about Have You Ever Seen The Rain? Um, Leonid, wild and crazy guy. Um... But yeah, it was great to see him. But yeah, the, 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 the meal, you just got right there. And it's so funny because I'm used to kind of more like American traditions where, you know, our meals like Christmas, Thanksgiving. I feel like there's a lot of like milling around and sitting around for hours before a meal actually happens. But this thing like, boom, the second you're in the door, you're whisked to the table, you're sat down and food starts being put in front of you. Because a lot of it, too, they prepared um, the night before. Um. So it's already, you just you walk in the front door, sit at the table, food's on the table, vodka shot in front of you, and p- prior to taking each of these shots, you do toasts. But it's not just like, I'm kind of half-heartedly going to do a toast. It's like, this is all, if, you, if you've if you ever been to a um, Passover Seder, um, I used to go to a lot of those when I was a kid because my best friend growing up was Jewish, and I would go over to Jewish holidays at his home. But um, in the Passover Seder meal, and of course, you know, um, Easter kind of is like a, comes out, they're not directly related, but most of the Christian holidays, you know, because of the lineage to the originally, a lot of their stuff coming from the Jewish tradition, there's kind of a, Easter takes place around the same time of the year as Passover, and there's some similarities kind of, I don't know, I don't want to get into it here in any granular detail, but at the Passover Seder, you're eating this meal, and at various times, you're reading um, you're reading different passages. Um, God, I can't remember the name of the the um, writings that these come from. But uh, I know I'm totally slaughtering this. But there's, in the tradition, you pause during the meal at, very, at specific pro- programmed times, and you're reading these kind of Talmudic rabbinical writings about what Passover's about. And like, there's the part, remember there's one part that always like creeped me out. Not creeped me out, like made me feel uneasy when I was a kid going to the, to the seders at my friend's house where, um, I think it's like there, there's like different types of kids are, are asking questions or behaving a certain way about the Passover tradition. And one is like the skeptical kid or something like he doesn't believe in it or he's like kicking up a fuss. And that kid always kind of, um, I was just like man why like, just just be be nice dude why do you have to like create this drama just if you don't like it if you don't believe in it you can go do your own thing but why why you got to ruin it for everyone else I guess that's always kind of been my uh, my mindset why cause a scene in public probably I think there's some good to that and there's some bad to it on on one hand I'm probably overly um, Overly passive about letting things that I don't believe in stand or letting things go because I, I I don't feel like you know inflicting myself on others and getting in people's face and causing a scene. But on the other hand, I think people um, cause way too many scenes about way too many things all the time. And so maybe maybe stepping back a little bit and just kind of letting things go. I'm sure there's a healthy medium. I'm not there, but uh, but yeah, I always wanted the the, the what did they call that kid? Looking up the Google machine here. Um, oh God. It was the. I used to actually know this stuff in another life. Um, this article is way too academic. Uh, let's see. Passover Seder questioning child. Oh, service unavailable. Um, Oh, here we go. Lessons from the four children of the Seder. That's right, there are four. Okay, so there's the wise, and he asks details about the specific meanings of the laws of Passover. What are the testimonies, the statutes and laws, which Adonai, our God, has commanded you? Okay, that's the wise child. The wicked is like, whatever does this mean to you? Um, And uh, some people, you know, in our tradition, American tradition, culture, you're supposed to, like, be anti all kinds of authority, question every single thing. And there, again... There's some uh, definite benefits to that. But on the other hand, it can, it can oftentimes be obnoxious and rude. I just found the wicked child to be sort of obnoxious and rude. Um, but in any case, what, why was, am I even talking about this? Oh, so yeah, so similar to the interruptions in the Seder meal, which are not casual interruptions, they're, they're part of the tradition. Similarly, in the Ukrainian Orthodox uh, Easter meal, um, there are interruptions for toasts where, and and, there, I, and again, I, I don't remember exactly what all of them are because it starts off, you're feeling like, oh, they're kind of casually making a toast. Okay. And then a few in, you realize, oh, this is all part of a program. And so by the third, all of a sudden, I was remembering I've been in similar situations. Oh, because I'd gone to Ukrainian Easter without the in laws before. And we kind of you, we did all of these same things, although just not quite the same without my man Leonid there to uh, keep the uh, shots um, going. Um, under strict protocol. But like by the third one, the men have to stand and it's a toast about the women. Stuff like that. It's all very structured. Like one of the toasts is about those who are not with us anymore. So uh, you know, we talked about some of the deceased relatives, like my dad and my wife's dad who've died within the la- since the last time we saw the parents. Anyway, um, but each of these toasts involves doing a shot of vodka. So I did, I, in a very short amount of time, I did quite a few shots of vodka and Mr. Sensational Geno Vega, Vega is not a lightweight by any stretch of the imagination, but Mr. Sensational Gino Vega is getting on in years when it comes to being able to wantonly drink alcohol. I, like, I mean, I don't, when I go out to drink, it's like a couple of beers is like wild and crazy for me. So, drinking multiple shots in a short amount of time, I did not feel intoxicated, but I just felt kind of weird. And it persisted throughout the day. And then the next day, I just felt like wrecked super tired. And I'm just now recovering here on Tuesday. Um, so there's not a whole lot of note to report about the, um, Ukrainian in-laws because again, um, the, the meal and the traditions were such a focus of everything. There wasn't a lot of time for any like air guitar renditions of like seventies rock or anything like that, but it was very good to see them. Um, they, uh, had not changed a lot. Um so that was nice. Um but then it kind of ended sort of sadly because uh one of the other guests at the the Easter was a friend of my brother and his wife. Um her husband was not there because he's away on a work trip, but she was there with her young child. And she and her husband are Russian from Russia they moved from russia to the united states and i think the husband I think the husband teaches at uc berkeley and she's like uh, getting a phd there um but it became her turn to do a toast and i can't remember if it was because specifically a guest was supposed to do one or she wanted to do it but she essentially gave a toast um describing Basically doing like a self-loathing thing about being Russian, about how she felt horrible coming from a place that was um, creating the situation that caused the Ukrainian in-laws to have to leave their home and be here. (laughs) And then my brother's mother-in-law started crying, and uh, Leonid kind of like had his head in his hands, and so... Well, most of my past visits with them have been when they're, like, hanging out and it's, like, vacation. It's, like, hee-haw, good times. That was, like, kind of kind of heavy, so. But then we did some more shots, and then eventually everyone parted ways and, and had a good time. And don't worry, there was a designated driver. I wasn't driving home. Um, but anyway, so, yes, I have seen the Ukrainian in-laws. They're doing great. It was not quite as, as fun times and uh, um, good times as previous visits. But they are still alive and um, still kicking. In other news, last night, last night I attended an event here at New Technology High School in Napa, California. Now, excuse me, New Tech High School is um, the school where my oldest daughter, Miss Sensational One, has been uh, attending for the last few years, and will be a senior next year. Meanwhile, Miss Sensational 2 will be leaving her middle school and beginning school at New Technology High School in her first year as a high school student, whatever they call that one. Is that freshman year? I guess, I don't know. Uh, Next year. So last night there was a joint open house for the pre-existing child who goes there for us to uh, peruse her work, and an orientation night for um, our younger child who will be attending there next year. So all four of us descended on New Technology High School last night, and I personally cannot stand school orientations. All I hear is the entire time is the Charlie Brown... <laughs> Uh, give me the information in written form. Email it to me. Um, that was the that was the literally the best thing to come out of the global pandemic. Was it was for a few years these orientations were via Zoom. And you could watch as much of it or as little as you needed to or wanted to. But now we're back to the in person. Got to listen to the entire presentation. You got to wait for them to fiddle with like the projector and all that stuff. You got to, then there's the dreaded. Does anyone have any questions? You got to listen to some geek parent, ask a bunch of questions where they could just have looked it up themselves or asked afterwards when we don't all have to sit there listening to them. Um, So I'm not a fan of these things and I always complain about it. And then I always talk about how I just want the information in written form and I get the information in written form, but then I don't get around to reading it. And then I don't know about something and I ask, Ms. S, my wife, and she's like, "Ah, didn't you go to the orientation? And I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, and you complained. You said you just wanted it in written form. I was like, yeah. Well, did you get it in written form? Well, yeah. Well, did you read it? No. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so anyway, um, we went to the orientation and heard about (laughs) And for some people, I'm sure these are very helpful. I don't mean to to, uh, demean anyone else's ability for... Uh, or preferred means for acquiring information. But I got wah, uh, wah, 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 wah. So finally that was over. And um, school stuff's been super awkward lately because, um, you know, you no longer theoretically have to wear a mask. But the vast majority of the kids all still do and like some of the teachers do. But then you get on campus and if you wear one, other parents are looking at you like you're insane. So then you don't know if you're really supposed to be wearing one or not. And then it's just this awkward thing where then half the people are, half the people aren't. Someone has it like half on, half off. So I wasn't wearing one last night, but then other people were. And then it's like, "Ah, now I look like I'm some mutant. And then uh, my thing was like, for going into the classrooms to look at the open house stuff, if a teacher's wearing one, I'm going to put one on. If they aren't, I'm not. But then I went in one room and forgot to put one on. The teacher's wearing one. So I, it's just, this is why, you know, for as much as people whine and complain about these uh, mask mandates, uh, mandates just make things much simpler. So if there's an environment where there's any perceptible need for something like this, it's easier to just have it required, but people have got to have a hissy fit about all this stuff. I don't know. I don't know. I am so agnostic on the whole mask thing. On one hand, it's like like I mentioned earlier, my my children wear KN95 masks religiously, and they still both got sick. Um, so and they, I don't mean this to say that I don't, I don't believe they work at all, because then on the other hand, it's like when you're dealing with like large scale public health stuff, it's just easier and better to err on the side of what's going to do the most good for the most amount of people rather than worrying about every individual's perceived comfort level or um, bizarre acts they want to grind. But anyway, I, But so I, I, I'm neither here nor there. You tell me to wear one, I'll wear one. You don't tell me to wear one, I'm not going to wear one. So just very awkward to be in an environment where they kind of sort of tell you to wear one, but then say you don't really have to wear one. I don't know. Oh, speaking of which, that reminds me, and that's going to take things full, full circle on this episode, as we we'll are want to do here on the Mr. Sensational Vega podcast. I was just talking to my brother earlier today, and he was sitting on a flight flying out of San Francisco en route to Houston, Texas for a work trip. And he was complaining to me about how annoying it was that when it was announced on the flight, you know, that they didn't have to wear, um, reminding people that masks are now optional. They didn't have to wear masks on the flight. Um, some mutant lady who was sitting next to a woman that was wearing a mask was doing like, what and like fish pumping and getting in the other woman's face. And my brother is not even like, he's happy to not wear a mask. I mean, he's happy to wear one if, if uh, told to, does not care about not wearing one if they're not required. The the point of the story is he, like me, is not hysterical about masks one way or the other. Um, But he was just saying how obnoxious it was. That Like, why would you need to do that? And that brings us back to the wicked child. That's what always put me off about that kind of stuff. It's like, you can think it's stupid, but do you really have to belittle this person sitting next to you who still feels the need to wear one? They're not making you wear one at this point, so let them do their thing. Public exclamations of woohoo in general in response to directions or information... Are very off-putting to me personally. If you feel the need to do them, you go ahead and do them. I just find them very off-putting. Then, do you really? Next time you you uh, um, find yourself compelled or tempted to woohoo in public, just think about it for a minute. Do you really need to woohoo? Is it that important to woohoo? Is it that important to inflict yourself on your neighbor with your woohoo? I would wager it probably isn't. But again, if it is, you know, everyone's experience varies. Maybe you have to woo-hoo, who am I, to police your woohooing? Anyway, the punchline of last night's school event is this. After the... <laughs> ...orientation, uh, we then walked around to look at um, our older child's classes, as I mentioned, and then all the awkward... Hilarity ensued about mask this, not mask that. Anyway, um, we went into her—I um, believe it's like a language arts class. I don't, I don't know if it's a bona fide English class, but you know, it's, we went into look at her classroom where they do, you know, reading literature, writing about stuff, all that—that that very controversial um, uh, stuff that we really need as parents. I feel the need to have parental choice that I should be able to shut this down. Like how? How dare my child be exposed to uh, books and writings? But that's another subject for another time. Um, but this is the class where she reads these these books that are written by these uh, strange thinking people that on one hand, we need to have freedom of speech and people need to be able to say anything they want at any given time, no matter how belligerent or obnoxious it is. But if anyone's actually talking about anything substantive or thoughtful, that, <laughs> that, that's a bridge too far. Now that needs to be reined in. Anyway, they haven't gotten to reining in... Um, new technology high school in Napa yet, hopefully soon. But, uh, um, we were looking at her work and it's kind of funny because I realized with the pandemic I've been, I I was someone that when my kids were small and they were going to school in Santa Rosa, I spent a lot of time volunteering at the school. So I knew like way too much about what was happening at the school. And I was intimately familiar with everything they were doing. Um, over the last few years, First of all, as they're just getting older, and so it's just like a different scene in high school. Um, I don't think it would would play very well if I was trying to be on campus every day volunteering. But uh, I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they'd still be into it. I, I find it highly doubtful, though. But, um, but then also just the, there has not been much physical interaction with schools for anyone, really, um, at least in our neck of the woods for the last few years. So I was just realizing how disconnected I'd been from uh, – Miss One's schoolwork, and I was looking through it, and she'd done some really cool stuff. Um, she had this little book that she'd written by hand, and she'd done all the illustrations for it. And I didn't even really know she could draw, but the illustrations were actually kind of good. So who knew? You learn something new about your, your family members every day. Uh, but two things. One thing um, was funny because um, that teacher—and this is— uh, Miss One's wheelhouse. She's a language arts person. She's probably, when she goes to college um, in a couple years, she's looking to apply to all these various um, liberal arts colleges. And Mutants Among Us don't get bent. It's not that type of liberal. I mean, it probably probably is, but that's not what the meaning of the term liberal arts is. But uh, (laughs) Anyway, she's probably going to go to some school where she's going to be doing a lot of reading and writing because that's her, her bag. So we're talking to the teacher that teaches the thing that she's strongest in. And this teacher was just uh, gushing to us about what an amazing student Miss One is. And we're like, oh, hey, yeah, thanks. You're like, no, 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 I really mean it. You know, she's just, in all my years of teaching, very few students like her, they're rare, you know, one of a kind, blah, 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 blah. (sighs) But it was causing me to think, I have this sort of personal issue. Both of my kids do very well in school. And that's neither here nor there because neither Ms. S. nor I really put any premium on that. Not like we're mad that they do well in school, but it's not like we follow them around trying to police what they do. Like We grew up in situations where we were both under pressure to perform in school in in different ways, and neither one of us did. With our kids, we're very very hands-off about their school schooling i mean like i said i volunteered at the school but i wasn't like volunteering like are you doing your homework i mean i was there like oh we need someone to help plant this thing we need someone to help you know read stories to kids in the class like that kind of volunteering it's not like i was like it wasn't about my individual child It was about contributing to the school environment as a whole um but in any case we know no no pressure on our children in schooling i mean i guess who knows if they'd been like failing out of school maybe we'd have a different outlook but I, i just always very what's the word laissez faire affair I'm not saying that right, but hands hands off you know about their schooling, and for whatever reason, the two of them responded to it by doing well in school that and and so whatever, and maybe again, if they hadn't, that would have been its own thing too, but you know we we're kind of about wanting them to do what they feel comfortable wanting to do with their life, so if school's important to them, hey, have at it, if something else is important to you, have at it, but uh, so I guess my point is. On paper, I've somehow managed to help along these two young people that are, quote unquote, doing well as far as what is culturally believed to be doing well. Like, they do well in school, they don't get in trouble, they seem well adjusted. I mean, they have their problems like every teen does. You know, they both do therapy of different sorts, they both had different freakout moments, but generally, we have these two even keel young children. And a lot of that was from just kind of like kicking back and letting them do what they wanted to do. And I spent a lot of time biting my own tongue, not wanting to be, be the wicked child. Out in the world, listening to a lot of people, having a lot of ideas, a lot of philosophies about raising children, a lot of belligerent views about how everyone needs to raise children. Um, and then those people having children that are, that are, are, are themselves struggling, and again, that's Totally normal, that's totally fine. Everyone struggles. But I just sometimes I feel this like irritation inside because it's like my children are not struggling in that way and I don't feel the need to scream and yell at you about how I helped get them there. But I'm just going to sit here and listen to you lecture me. Yeah, and so and I, I, I push that all down inside and I just kind of sit there and be like, oh, you don't say. So I guess I'm just I'm, I'm letting, I, for you the tens of ones, I'm venting here. I'm just letting you, letting you know this volcanic rage that I have inside of me. Not really. But at times, yes, where, where I just kind of, uh, because I so much don't want to be the wicked child, I just sit back and let other people run roughshod and tell me how I should be doing things or how all things should be done for everyone, everywhere. And I think that's the key thing here is it totally, totally varies from person to person, family to family. Everyone has their own cross to bear in life. Everyone has their own path to walk. You walk it the way you need to walk it. You don't. And now I sound like I'm veering into some libertarian territory. Um, I don't mean this. People want to apply this to like like uh, sociological stuff or like, you know, like law and order type stuff. Like, oh, well, that means everyone should be able to do whatever they want at all times. Anarchy, yay. I don't mean that. I don't mean like during a health crisis acting however you want. But I just mean as far as your personal choices in life, the stuff that pertains to how you comport yourself with your family members, what you expect from them, what they expect from you. That is so highly personal, so highly individualize. Let's give each other space to um, do those things in the way that seem healthiest um, to you and the way that seems to work the best for you and your family. I'll do that with mine. You do that with yours. It's all good in the hood. And I don't, I don't mean to tell you this, that now I'm trying to regale people. Like you should do it like I do. Just be like laid back guy that doesn't Get belligerent with your kids But that ju- that's just what worked best For our family, for our kids For our personalities in the house And I guess that's what, that's what I'm grinding an axe here about Is so many people in the world Have their one-size-fits-all That they want to scream and yell at you about Like I just screamed and yelled at you here About how you shouldn't have a one-size-fits-all Or expect to be able to have a one-size-fits-all I don't know, who knows Totally ramb- rambling into the ether at this point Final point About um, the open house at New Technology High School and this is where it got personal for me. This is where it got real. Among the projects that we saw that Miss One had done, one of the projects she did was a board game based on Homer's Odyssey. That was the assignment. She had to create a game based on her readings of Homer's Odyssey. And... um she had created this intricate game, and I actually was watching her make it at home because I'd had to help her print out some of the stuff. And it, it was a board game. She had all these cards, and the cards are all like um let me see. I took a like, give me an example here. I mean, I can't show it to you, but I'll I'll read you. Um She had the, she had a board with all these different um uh outcomes that could happen based on die rolling and the cards you get. And then she has the, these kind of magic the gathering uh Cards with uh, you know sort of TSR D and D looking illustrations on them because the Odyssey you know and so um, like she has this one card that I took a picture of and it's a it's a shade card and I don't know exactly what the shade card would do to you in the game because I have not played this game yet I'm not familiar with all the intricate mechanics but this shade card is entitled Death Sucks and there's a picture of a of a sort of Grecian looking warrior guy with a breastplate and a shield and a sword. And it says, um, the mighty Achilles doesn't have an inspiring speech as you had imagined. Instead, he makes you even more afraid of death and eager to escape the underworld. Move forward three spaces. So I don't know exactly how that works with the the, um, game itself, but the, the point is she's playing off of stuff from the readings. But not in a way, like the card isn't like, Page 363. On page uh, uh, 363, is it true or false that Achilles said X? Okay, so it's more in the spirit of the Odyssey than in the facts of the Odyssey. Now, she got full credit for this assignment. That's me throwing my phone down where I was looking at the picture. She got full credit for this assignment. When Mr. Sensational Gino Vega attended Herbert Slater Junior High School, now middle school, in Santa Rosa, California. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega was confronted with almost an identical assignment. I had to create a board game based on Jack London's Call of the Wild. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega. That's me pounding the table like an angry, angry important person. Angry important American. Angry about masks. Pounding the table. Um, Mr. Sensational Gino Vega created this intricate game. I bought these little plastic dogs, and each, each, uh, each player had their own dog sled team. The dog sled team all had stats. They were like all the dogs from the book. I don't even remember who. I don't remember that book at all, but I, I did read it. And I, I, so You had a dog sled team that was based on the, on the book, and similar to her, you had a board, and you encountered various pitfalls in the spirit of the book, and you were trying to move your team along. Mr. Sensational Gino Vega received a D plus on his game. His game, which was almost identical in design to Miss Sensational Ones, and this is all by coincidence because I didn't, I wasn't involved in it. It is just she, like her father, was like, oh, make a game. Not make some idiot, you know, true or false game. Make, make a game in the spirit of the liter- literature that we just read, which is the whole point of reading literature. It's not about the intricate, um, True or false facts of the story, it's about the spirit that you take away from your encounter with other people's ideas. Anyway, I got a D plus. I, w- I was confounded. Uh, I told my mom. She was confounded. We had a meeting with the teacher. She's like, well, no, this, the, the, the game just didn't show that your son had read the book. Meanwhile, a girl that got an A+, made a game, and it was like, Call of the Wild Trivia, True or false, on page 42, does the dog say ba-na-na or nah, nah. Unreal. Unreal. I would like to add that that teacher came to our school here on the elite coast of the Pacific Ocean in California. She came to our school by the landlocked Midwest. So what did she know anyway? All right? I'm throwing the gauntlet down to... I feel like of the tens of ones, nine of those ones are Midwesterners, so I'm... Throwing the gauntlet down to the entire region. This is unacceptable. We will not stand for this anymore. I felt like there was a little bit of vindication with uh, Miss One getting full credit. But I'm still here sore over my D+. And you know what? I pretty much checked out on school after that. So that's the, um, that is the effect that a god-awful teacher from the Midwest can have. And I'm, folks, please, 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 I am Joking about the Midwest. I like to make jokes about the Midwest because the show seems to have so many Midwestern uh, listeners and because I live in California, so I like to play with the cartoon stereotypes of uh, Coastal I feel like sometimes not everyone is in on that joke, so I need to explain it because I don't want it to be like I'm really this like crazy person that that uh, is casting aspersions on hundreds of thousands of people just based on where they live or maybe even millions of people. I don't know. It's all the same. It's all nonsense. Uh, we all are... We are all where we are doing what we do, and that is the way it goes, I guess. I guess that's a convoluted way of saying it is what it is. One of the greatest, greatest, most helpful sayings of uh, the 21st century. It is what it is. Um, and whatnot. Um, folks, went long. I thought we were going to go short due to sore throat, but I it was just possessed by the, by the Holy Spirit, I guess. Uh, we'll be back next week. Going to be talking about mutants of all stripes invading the hallowed empire of Disney. Um, unless something else comes up between now and then, but until then, it's me. It's me. It's Mr. Sensational Gino V signing off.